Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Football Social Daily, Premier League Updates. Hello, I'm Jim Salverson and this is Football Social Daily. It's back to work for a whole load of people today, but we've never been away. Being the only Premier League Daily podcast means we are ever-present throughout Christmas and for the rest of the season as well. That's all of us apart from Nar McCorn, obviously, <laughs> who we welcome back to Football Social Daily after... What, six, seven weeks away? No, oh, like come on. I've just had a short excursion to the Maldives or somewhere like that. I'm like Sergio Aguero. I have the annual Christmas break. Warm weather training. <laughs> exactly. Alongside him, we've got Steve McNaughton. Hey, Steve, you're Good right. Good morning, gents. What have we got coming up on today's podcast? Well, the newspaper gossip mongers are in overdrive with the January transfer window. Officially open, we're going to be picking the juiciest morsels from the back pages of the papers and trying to find a grain of truth in the Uncle Ben's bag of rice of made-up <laughs> rubbish. Uh, Jose Mourinho. Well, his Spurs regime is looking a little bit wobbly. They came from a goal down to draw with Middlesbrough in the FA Cup this weekend. But is there trouble brewing at Tottenham Hotspurs Stadium right now? Spurs fans wondering exactly why they got rid of Mauricio Pochettino and replaced him with the special one. And we're going to kick off with some heroes and villains from across the weekend. Who deserves praise and who deserves a panning? We're going to do that very shortly. First, as it's Monday, we'll do a review we like our reviews if you want to leave us a review on itunes or spotify or however you listen to the podcast you can do it means you might get a shout out on the podcast as well there's three to choose from today so you can pick a number between one and three no you can pick uh let's go straight down the fence in the middle number two. Oh, this is a good one this is from oh. campbell via apple podcasts he's a listener in great britain and he says Easily my favourite podcast. The only podcast I've found that makes the international break bearable. There's a credit in itself. Refreshing to hear people debating football without pulling out expletive removed like goals and assists per 90 minutes ratio, key passes and percentages per 90 minutes. In other words, he likes the chat. Not a massive fan of the stats, but he's got a suggestion. You did the worst 11 of the decade over the weekend. That was the New Year's special. It was a slog trying to get through some of those names, I can tell you. Um, it gave me the cold sweats reading through some of those players. But uh, I think we made a good fist of it. Some names featured like Titus Bramble, yeah. uh, David and Gog. You'd remember him, Steve, as a Liverpool fan. How dare you. <laughs> He's deservedly in the team. Uh, Jotzi Altador as well. Some absolute crackers in there. So go back and listen to it if you haven't already. You can listen to that. That came out on New Year's Day. It was our New Year's special marking a decade of Premier League action and all the terrible players that have been in there. But Campbell says you missed off Lee Catamol who he reckons should have been in that list. To be fair, 
if there are any Sunderland fans listening, um, it would have been a bit harsh to have another Sunderland player. <laughs> there were a lot of Sunderland Sunderland players, it did feel very Sunderland heavy, that <laughs> team. Right, let's kick off. Let's kick off with heroes and villains. Who deserves praise and who deserves a panning from the weekend? I'm going to kick off. I'm going to start with my hero from the weekend, which is the heroic Tom Pope, who scored Port Vale's oh. only goal in their 4-1 loss to Manchester City at the weekend, which in itself doesn't deserve praise. Well, it does, but not really worthy of being... Hero status. What does deserve hero status is the Twitter bants yep. that surrounded him. Did you both see this? Yes, I, I did. So, Pope before the game or a little while ago tweeted that if he got to play against Manchester City's John Stones every single week, he'd bag forty goals a season, <laughs> which is quite clearly tongue in cheek because no it one ever scores bit. forty goals a season. Do no, they? but of course because he said that. He ends up scoring against Manchester City and City versus Pope was completely blanked by John Stones after the game. Yeah, apparently, rightly so. All the City, all the City players bought bought Tom Pope into the City dressing room and kind of had a bit of a laugh with him because they'd been ribbing John Stones about this tweet, and John Stones was not happy at all. Well, uh, supposedly only Mendy and one other player spoke to Pope. Oh, really? The rest of them weren't happy with him at all. They thought okay. it was pretty disrespectful, but obviously he Didn't. he continued it on Twitter, didn't he, his, his, <laughs> yeah. his laugh. Which is why he gets the hero status, because after the game he tweeted, he could have apologised, he could have backtracked. Instead he said, I'd just like to say I was completely wrong and bang out of order saying I'd score 40 a season. More like fifty, yes, <laughs> which is which is lovely stuff. I, th- I think I think Stones needs to take himself a little bit less seriously does, in that yeah. scenario, doesn't he? To be fair, though, I think you could easily put Pope in the villain category because shortly after that, he tweeted something a mm, little bit. He's in a bit of hot water. Yeah, yeah, he did. He tweeted something a little bit controversial. I was going to mention that <laughs> his tweets now be his tweets now been investigated by the FA. So yeah. you know, talking about being bang out of order, maybe that was uh, him sort of getting a bit big for his boots and taking it a step too far. Maybe. You can understand maybe being a League Two footballer, but a good moment for him. Thirty-four years of age from the Potteries, Port Vale fan. Yeah. eight thousand followers at the Etihad Stadium, and he scores him. A goal to you know to equalise against the treble winners from last season. It's a good moment for him. 109th yeah. goal for Port Vale as well, which is their post-war record wow. for top goal scorer, which him. is pretty cool. Right, who else has got a hero for me? Can I do my <laughs> Can I do my villain first? All right, go on then. My villain is Everton Football Club. Yes, as, as, off to a good um, start. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Everton as a club in general. I think they're a traditional club. They've got a proper old stadium. I love Goodison Park. I think it's a great ground. It must be sad to see it go when they move to the new stadium uh, in the docks uh, in Liverpool. Mm-hmm. I just think they're a historic old club. that have, They've not fallen on hard times. They've got Far money in the it. bank. They've spent, I think, £221 million was the uh, combined price of their starting yeah. eleven against Liverpool. They've not won at Anfield for 20 years since the days of Kevin Campbell. you know, And they won 1-0, I think, in 99 was their last victory at Anfield. Mm-hmm. They would Correct. have turned up to Anfield in the FA Cup third round, thinking, we've got a chance here. For the first time in years, they would have turned up thinking, we might actually get something more out of this game yeah. than we we're expecting. Was- you know, it's been 20 years, and, you know, that away end was full with Everton supporters, and they would have been more expectant than, than perhaps recent games, understandably so. Everyone knew Jurgen Klopp was going to play the kids. First half, they missed their chances. A couple of all right saves from Adrian, nothing special. You'd expect him to keep them out. Routine, yeah. um, but the second half, Everton were awful, abysmal, shocking. Any other words you can think of to describe them, let me know because there's a host of them. They were terrible. I mean, everything just seems so disjointed. And maybe Carlo Ancelotti now has realised the task at hand that he's got to keep Everton mm. kind of on the straight and narrow and moving up the table because I thought that performance was 
It was turgid. It was awful. You it, had to it, credit it, Liverpool, though, at the same time. Oh, 100%, which is, it would be so, it would be so easy for me to go, all oh, my heroes are, you know, Liverpool players or Curtis Jones or whatever. But I'm not going to do that. I'm going to stick my head on the block and say Everton was shocking. Mm. Um, they deserve every bit of criticism. Didn't they have a get. shot on goal after 27 minutes, did they? Uh, look at their squad. I said this on yesterday's podcast. Look at their squad. Bang average. Walcott passed it. Not a good player anymore, in my opinion. Schneidlin, terrible. Look at their strikers. Apart from Richarlison, they've got Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who's all right, and he's just starting to come into his mm. own. Carlo Ancelotti said he could be one of the best strikers in Europe. Come on, Carlo. I know you're trying to get the fans on side, but let's be honest here. Umar Nias. Awful. Jenk Tosin, terrible signing. Look at some of the players they've brought in as well. Luca Dean, probably the most overrated fullback in the Premier League, in my opinion. I thought he was terrible yesterday. Sidibe on loan from Monaco. He's had one good game this season against Burnley. Load of Everton fans saying, oh, give him a contract permanently. Sign him from Monaco permanently. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. I think there needs to be more culpability from these players at Everton because the fans have suffered enough. Mm. And they're good supporters, they're loyal supporters, and they're a proper football club, and they deserve better, in my opinion, how especially often, with the money that's been spent. How often do we talk about Everton and other football clubs as well buying individuals rather than teams? And that's, per- I mean, everyone knows that for years Everton have lacked that natural goal scorer. And they've just failed time and time again to recruit that one person to lead the line, which would make such a difference. As you say, Calvert-Lewin's yeah. coming into form, but he's underperformed for a long time they, as well. What they've done is they've spent 30 million, 40 million, three or four or five times on bang average players that mm. are unproven. The only the only big money they've spent really is Gilfie Sigurdsson for 50 million. And this season he's been terrible. And I think every Evertonian would, would come back to me and agree, and agree that Gilfie Sigerson has been extremely poor this season. He's had his moments, scored a good goal against West Ham back in October. You expect more from him for 50 million quid. And I know that's not a massive amount of money in the modern day transfer scene, but certainly 50 million, you'd expect a bit more. Whereas you look at, you know, neighbours Liverpool, and they're spending 8 million on Shakiri, who's better than most of the Everton yeah. players. They're spending, what is it, Minamino, I've just seen, on you know, what's that, eight million as well? Seven. Seven million. So, you know, I mean, talking about shrewd signings, I mean, they're spending all this money and, uh, you know, they're not really making astute signings. None of them you're thinking, right, we're putting our eggs in this basket. They're strengthening in places you think, well, you don't need to sign a player there. I just think Everton are all at sea. Marcel Brands is a very popular man in terms of his role as sporting director at Everton, but I think there needs to be some serious questions asked after the end of this season. I'm still backing Ancelotti to turn it around. Oh, I, I, totally I still am think too. he'll do a decent I totally job. am too, but my villain for this week would be Everton, not just from their second half performance, but just the way that they've gone about this season in general. It's been terrible. I think you should have gone in on Liverpool for disrespecting the competition, playing such a second string team, personally. <laughs> I, I could... I could, I could lay into every Premier League team in that case <laughs> go on then Steve who are you going for villain or hero first uh, I'm going on the flip side to, to what Niall's done I'll go for my team as hero which is rather predictable mm. I think you know I when I seen the team yesterday uh, you know to echo Niall's sentiments I thought we're going to take a bit of a pace in here because Everton have gone big because they knew we'd heavily rotate mm. And, you know, he's had Adrian in goal, Nico Williams, Nat Phillips, you know, LaRucci's come on after seven minutes at left back and Joe Gomez has led, you know, led the back line. Midfield, Curtis Jones, Harvey Elliott, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and he just, every single one of them lads on the pitch just played with a maturity beyond their years with no fear. They were, they were disciplined. They, 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 you know, they kept in shape. Mm. They, they were, you know, employed the tactics that, that Klopp talked about. Everything was brilliant. And once they come into their own and the confidence growing in that game yesterday, you're thinking this is an incredible set of youngsters. And 
you know, some of these lads, like the likes of Curtis Jones, who scored the win and was very clearly man of the match yesterday, but he was one of a few who could have been man of the match yesterday. The future is very bright. And I think, you know, from the academy to the, to the first team management and, and, you know, the hierarchy, absolutely brilliant. And I think, you know, and I look forward to some of these lads who understandably Liverpool mm. aren't letting go out on loan, mm. um, you know, making their way into the first team because, you know, we've got 12 fit senior players at the minute and these lads are going to get games as, as we try and kind of, you know, zone in on the Holy Grail. What I thought was incredibly impressive about the Liverpool performance was if you kind of like blurred your vision, you wouldn't have been able to tell the difference between the players that were playing against Everton and the first team because mm. of the way they yeah. play. They played in exactly the same yeah. style. And credit has to go to the coaching teams. And apparently I didn't realise that the under-23s at Liverpool train with the first team yeah. squad. Mm. So they're all playing together and training together. And it, it looked it, like everything. They, they played the same way. They it all, was seamless, wasn't yeah, it? That was when the they point. lost the ball, they crowned it, crowded the opposition player yeah. with the ball and won it back. Yeah, as you say, Niall, it was seamless. It's everything. They're included in everything from a very young age at Liverpool. If you're part of that group, you know, the sports psychology side of it at Liverpool is obviously massive so that in them sessions as well and you know being managed as individuals as well and and the the playing the you know the the drill they're doing the drills and training at the first team do and you know it's obviously established now that Klopp sets them up in training where one team's got seven players and the other team's got nine and they, they have a 10 minute match where the seven have got to win the 10 minute match you know where they're just swamping them in a very short period of time so top to bottom the club's being run um excellently I think you know I know we're digressing slightly but you know we're moving from Melwood because we've spent 50 million quid up- updating the academy facility in Kirby so the first team are going to Kirby um, so everyone is going to be under one roof. Everyone kind of, you know, on the same hymn sheet, doing the same thing, and just being Liverpool. And I think, you know, it, it was it, when FSG went in. It, it was a ten-year plan. It was get the best manager and sign the right players, develop the youth, and develop the stadium. And everything is mm. is happening. So uh, for, even though we're talking about yesterday, Liverpool are my hero just because them them kids have really stepped up yesterday, and that is a, it's an utter embarrassment for Everton. I would have gone with them as my villain as well, Niall. But yeah. obviously, I think. Niall said enough. You know, I've got <laughs> I've got family who are long suffering Everton fans. Obviously, you know, being from that neck of the woods, and there's just no Ancelotti will turn it round, mm-hmm. but he's going to need years to turn it round because the solution for Everton isn't just going. Let's throw another couple of hundred million quid at it. Well, they can't with the new stadium on, there. and they're about to post record financial losses as well. I don't know. All this talk of well-run football clubs makes me sick, particularly <laughs> with the villain that I've picked for today because it's my club it's West Ham and I could nominate these two every week pretty much the dark overlords of West Ham mm. Messrs Gold and Sullivan I do sometimes question whether the Davids have the best interests of West Ham at heart well they don't <laughs> <laughs> come they on do. Jim sometimes they, always they question do you remind me of the football ownership version of Delboy and Rodney that, sometimes that's exactly this what time next are. year yeah, yeah, come on Rodney you're up Mo. come on if lad. Delboy and Rodney sold softcore pornography that's exactly what yeah, it would be sure. but this morning it's come out that Stuart Pearce who David Moyes wanted to be his assistant I mean there's questions as to whether Stuart Pearce is a good assistant manager anyway. That's not what I'm going to question in this scenario. What I'm going to question is the fact David Moyes wanted him to be the assistant manager again. He was assistant manager last time I was at West Ham. That move has been blocked by David Gold and David Sullivan because Stuart Pearce was reportedly critical of them when he left the club last time when he didn't have his contract renewed. And mm. I kind of think, I mean, I don't really remember Stuart Pearce being that critical of the club when he left in the first place. I don't think he said anything massively outrageous, but if you are a board of directors and you've appointed a new manager, your job is to give that manager whatever tools he feels he needs to complete the job. And in West Ham's case, that job is staying in the Premier League. And I think 
they're already tying his hands behind his back by not yeah. giving him the personnel he wants mm-hmm. in that scenario. I'd agree. I don't care what their personal opinions are of him as an individual, whether he has... I mean, if you're going to rule out anyone who's been critical of West Ham having a role in the club, you're fishing in a very small pool yeah. <laughs> instantly. Yeah. They're two businessmen with egos, aren't they? Yeah, it's massive. Wa- just let, massive. The, let the water go under the bridge and let David Moyes have who he wants as assistant manager, in my uh, view. And Stuart Pearce is, you know, he brings a bit of the old school, doesn't he? And he's he's been out of the the sort of the spotlight in terms of managing and coaching, but he's actually been coaching down at Portsmouth, my club. He's Does been it? working with the defenders and working with Kenny Jackett. Um, I'm not sure if it's worked particularly, <laughs> but um, but you know he's been sort of keeping his toe in the water in terms of uh, coaching and things like that. But I mean, I don't want to sound like you know the old school. Oh, he knows the game, but um, he's been around the block, Stuart Pierce. He's, he's done it. As he's well. been in the deep end at some difficult jobs, mm. and he's done it, like you say, Steve, on the pitch as well. And um, West Ham could do worse than having Stuart Pierce as their assistant. That's for sure. It's also his mindset as well. That guy, as as a player, went through hell and back. You know, and and it's very well documented what happened with with the penalty miss for England, which, yeah. which I think you know it really haunted him and him for him to do mm. that and score against Spain in Euro '96 yeah. and, and exercise that demon. So Stuart Pearce, like you say, he's been there. He's what he's got the t-shirt. He's worn the t-shirt, and I think you know he could have been a guy who could have gone into that dressing room and and, and put it up the West Ham no, no, players. He knows you know. the club as well. Exactly. I, mean, I, I take the mick out of people going, "Oh, he knows the club. He's a football man, all that kind ding, of thing." Ding. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's, he's played for West Ham. He's been there in the mm. backroom staff before I think he would have been a sensible appointment mm. but yeah as you say Niall ego's getting in the way well it is because is for me you know you talk about Everton being a traditional club yeah. you know great fan base obviously the, they're moving to a new ground West Ham are in the London Stadium West Ham very similar to Everton I think in size and stature you know um, just different ends of the country mm. um, and they deserve similar better aspirations yeah I think and they fair. deserve better and they are egotistical and it is all about them because and when they're making decisions like about Stuart Pearce like that, they're actually hamstringing the club. Mm. And David Moyes has gone in there to do a job or being recruited to do a job, which is essentially get him out get him out the isn't it? Yeah, it sounds it sounds stupid, but if West Ham was still at Upton Park and they were still this sort of rough and tumble West Ham that everyone kind of fondly remembers them as, I think Golden Sullivan's job wouldn't be as criticised. I think now that the West oh, Ham's completely. been built into a brand you know, the branding's changed, the crest has changed, new stadium, ambitions have changed, dreams of European football. Are they now the right men for the job? No, probably not. We so, said it last week I mean, on the podcast, It's, it's the we? promises they've made that have kind of hampered themselves but, a I mean, little bit it, because leaving Upton Park, which was the yeah. spiritual home of the club, that the fans loved. I loved going to Upton uh, Park. Brilliant going, oh, We're leaving here. Yeah. We're going to this stadium, which is a little bit soulless, yeah, but it's going to enable us to take that step up and be a European club, challenging yeah. team. And we're... Miles off. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most animated I've seen Jim in all the time we've been yeah, doing it. So they, they, they've, they've essentially lied to the fan base. and they, they Totally. And it's not a case of just the team underperforming because they haven't invested and they haven't managed the club in the right way to get to that status. So it's not, a, it is, it's purely and simply, it's a lie. It, it, I'm not sure the ambition was ever truly there. Or they horribly misunderstood what was required to get into that scenario. Or they're just too Either old way, and past it and don't really know what they're doing. Mm. Yeah. Positive is West Ham is an investable club. Absolutely. Still. Being it in is. London is a massive Big club, bonus. Not, not only the stadium's a problem, but at the same time, we've got yeah. it for the next 99 years at £2.50 a week or whatever it is. Similar, <laughs> similar transfer strategies we talked about before as well, you know, just signing players that... You know, don't really fit fit the mold. They're just available, and yeah. you've got a little bit about them. Yeah. So, like, let's just stick them in there and see how, see how we go. And letting the wrong players go, 
And 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 just I mean they're not famous for anything West Ham either you know starting on the pitch famous for bubbles in the West Ham way but no one actually knows what the West Ham way is well, well that would be my argument. I've got one so I, I do my hero quickly yeah go on we'll move on um, Asaze Urokide from Sheffield Wednesday he's 19 years old made his debut for Sheffield Wednesday they beat Brighton one 0 in the FA Cup and his post match interview was, was so heartwarming why it was just just the buzz on the the lad's face. He couldn't stop smiling in the interview. He said, I couldn't believe it when the gaffer told me I was playing. It's just none of the, it, it was none of this media trained. Yeah. Oh, you know, I've been waiting for my opportunity, blah, blah, blah. And it was, it was just so honest and open and heartwarming and nice to see. He said he was absolutely buzzing with it and uh, who can blame him? So that interview was lovely nice and I one. suggest you go and watch it if you get the chance, but he would be my hero of the week. Yeah, I enjoyed that as well. Right, wrap us up, Steve. Who's your villain? I, I don't know. <laughs> to be fair. I mean, my, I've been consumed by, by obviously the Merseyside derby. Just say Jose Mourinho and then I can yeah. tease. Jose Mourinho. Well, well we yeah, go. Jose Mourinho for there we go. everything Tottenham. Okay, right. Nice segue. Conveniently, <laughs> we're going to talk about Jose Mourinho next and his Tottenham revolution. Has it got off to a stuttering start and are Tottenham fans beginning to worry? We'll do that next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily, Premier League updates. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. As nominated as his Villain of the Week, completely naturally and without prompting, just moments ago, (laughs) (laughs) we're going to talk Jose Mourinho um, because it's looking a little bit shaky at Tottenham right now. There was a brief uplift when Jose came in and Mauricio Pochettino was sensationally sacked. A few good results here and there, but maybe not quite what Tottenham fans would have expected or would have hoped for. 1-1 draw with Middlesbrough over the weekend in the FA Cup, which easily could have gone the other way. But are there warning signs there that maybe Jose wasn't the right man for the job after all? Which a fair few people pointed out at the time. Harsh. Too early. And I know the man is expected to go in and, and, you know, do great things at Spurs. But he's even said in his press conferences recently, give me time. Mm. I need a little bit of time. And I think all this... feels like United again, doesn't it? Doesn't it feel like Man United again? Well, this is the thing. I think all this does is highlight there's a deeper problem at the football club. Absolutely. I don't think it highlights that, you know, what's on the surface is exactly what's happening. Losing Harry Kane is a big blow, but they weren't exactly performing brilliantly with Harry Kane starting in the side anyway. I mean, he's a world-class player, don't get me wrong. I'm not disrespecting Harry Kane there at all. I'm just saying, I think Mm. Tottenham maybe have a deeper problem there. Behind the scenes, I think everyone knew that that generation of players was sort of fading to an end and they need to recycle it and need to regenerate. They've built a new stadium, but, you know, again, it comes down to the chairman. It comes down to the owner, Daniel Levy. Is he willing to reinvest in players? Is he willing to sign players and give Jose what he wants? People call Jose a checkbook manager. Yeah, of course, in, in the past, we've seen Jose make big signings for big money to get the results he wants. But often, those big signings pay off and it works. And if Tottenham want that success and they want to be that club that wins trophies, which is what we're all led to believe the reason Mourinho is there for, Mm. to win them silverware, then Levy has to get his checkbook out either in January or in the summer and say, right, we're going to have a real go at this. Because he's he's certainly one to watch the pennies, Daniel Levy. It doesn't doesn't feel like Tottenham are that far away, though. When you look at the team sheet, the personnel are there for Jose Mourinho to get a react. Particularly, I mean, Harry Kane is a, a Jose Mourinho-esque player and they're yep. really going to yep. struggle with him not being in the but team. But Eric Dyer isn't Michael Essien or Makaleli no. or Balak or anyone who else can you think of that Chelsea had? Even Matic, Matic. you know. <laughs> who will no doubt be a Tottenham player very soon. <laughs> exactly. But I mean, do you know what I mean? The, the, the squad quality that Tottenham have got was there two years ago 
And maybe now it's not quite as strong mm. as it was. You've, you know, Lucas Moura scored a good goal for Tottenham, good header against Middlesbrough to equalise that mm. tie. But, you know, they have got good players, Tottenham. It's just squeezing the most out of them, isn't it? They've Should, got to replace some key personnel. Yeah, I mean, sure. Aurea at right back is a disaster. Eriksen's going to go as well. So, Milan. So, you know, Josie's got a job on his hands. And I think we should wait and see until the end of January and I'm not sure. I just say wait until March and see what see what things look like there. He's, yeah, I think he's. I mean, the the form for Tottenham. I mean, they're still in the Champions League. Exactly. You know. I mean, I'm looking at Tottenham now. Recent and, weeks, though, drawn with Norwich, lost to Southampton. Yeah, drawn. Yeah, you know, drawn with Middlesbrough. Um, beat Tottenham. Got beat by Chelsea at home, and you know, beat Wolves away, which is which is a result. Uh, turned over by Bayern, hammered Burnley, and and got beat by United and. You know, so on and so forth. You know, wins over Bournemouth and West Ham uh, and Olympiacos. Then, but the form is erratic. But similar to Ancelotti, uh, to obviously to a higher degree. But he's going to have to go and sort it out, and it's not going to be done overnight. They have got key players that they need to move on and 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 freshen that team up. And you know, we all kind of said, is the marriage going to work? Because you've got you know Daniel Levy, who you know does not want to spend money on players. And then when they're in for players like mm. Fernandez in summer, where they, they had the deal in principle, and then he starts trying to shave some more money off have it. You, have you heard the Luka Modric story? No. From when Tottenham signed Luka Modric. I think it was from Dinamo Zagreb or something like yeah, that. Are we about to libel ourselves? <laughs> no, 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 no. no. Okay. I think this is out Proceed. there. This okay. is out there. This isn't, this isn't inside knowledge. <laughs> this is um, our views. <laughs> apparently what happened was uh, the Dinamo Zagreb president asked for a couple of Tottenham sh- shirts with Modric on print, oh, print, print, this, printed yeah. up so they could put them in their sort of clubhouse or in their stadium or whatever as kind of like a, a memoir of the fact that Modric was sold to a big club like Tottenham. And Daniel Levy actually charged Zagreb the price of four Tottenham shirts from the club shop, charged them an extra couple of hundred quid off the transfer. He said, well, if you want that, you're going to have to pay for it, mate. So that's that's classic Daniel Levy. Yeah, there. yeah. But I think, you know, the the big big game for Tottenham coming up, obviously we we visit White Hart Lane. So I keep calling it White Hart Lane. Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. 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 Uh, on Saturday at R5, on, on, you know, in front of the TV cameras, we'll struggle to break Tottenham down because he'll just be, he'll go to, you know, uh, old Jose mm. and make it really difficult to break down. And I think, you know, that's that's a game that's got to draw all over it, uh, you know. I, but I think what I'm seeing at the moment is I'm seeing a few Spurs fans getting a little bit wobbly. And I think it's because of the style of football that's being played rather than the actual results. You're pulling faces at me, Niall. It's because they've conceded seven games in a row. Jose Mourinho is notoriously a defensive coach. Mm. They've conceded seven games in a row. After they beat uh, Burnley 5-0 at the start of December, I think the 7th of December they beat them. They've played Bayern Munich, where they conceded. They conceded at Wolves. They conceded at Chelsea, two goals. Conceded at Brighton, Norwich, Southampton and Middlesbrough at the weekend. Seven games in a row to concede. That's a... That's not that's not a chronic problem, but certainly it's an issue that maybe well, Spurs that fans to be worried about. I think about. it goes hands in hand because... They're nearly averaging you, two a game, aren't You they? accept... You accept maybe the slightly uglier football that Jose Mourinho plays if you become difficult to break down and difficult to beat. And you look at the stats. I looked at the stats earlier of the amount of long balls that are being played by Jose Mourinho compared to Mauricio Pochettino. So on average, over 60 long balls a game, which was pretty much never happened under Mauricio Pochettino, didn't even get anywhere near 60. Passing sequences, they have... Of ten pass sequences, this is exactly what the guy the Campbell. Campbell. review. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Campbell. Campbell. <laughs> so out of ten pass sequences, they have nine point one on average for Jose Mourinho's reign compared to fourteen point eight last season under Mauricio Pochettino. So the free flowing passing football is what I'm essentially saying isn't there anymore. It's been no. replaced by a different form of football. But the results are the same, Jim. 
The results are the same. Well, I'd rather watch good football and get bad results than watch crap football and get bad results. Well, I wonder if Jose wins Tottenham a trophy, whether Spurs fans will be saying the same. That's going to be the big telling thing, yeah. isn't it? Well, they've got to get past the they'll get past Middlesbrough in the FA Cup, you would have thought, in a replay yeah. at the, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, and I think Champions League, they're not going to win this season. Uh, FA, uh, sorry, Carabao Cup, have they, they've gone out with that, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. so there's uh, semi-finals this week coming up. So, you know, what of the Carabao Cup? Yeah, Leicester, Aston Villa, Manchester City and Manchester United are the last four. Yeah, so realistically, he's only going to win the FA Cup. There's a very real chance they will miss out on top four this season, I feel, because I think Chelsea and Leicester might squeeze in there. Mm. Um, but it's they've got to give him time, like you say, Niall. He's, he's a good manager. His principles you know, have slightly altered since he come in and they've been refreshed a little bit, but... We talked about it on the podcast last week and said, "What is the point? What at what point does he go back to type and start being the Jose of old?" Yeah, and you know, I think that might be Saturday when when, when the uh, the leaders rock up at, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. We speak about Tottenham like this that if Tottenham go and beat Liverpool, it just wouldn't yeah. shock. I, I, obviously, I would be surprised if Liverpool just don't seem to lose. They haven't lost for twelve months, but <clears throat> it's Jose. It's it's the kind of game. It's the he kind loves. of game he, he relishes. Yeah. So, all right. So we're giving Jose Mourinho a little bit more time. There are surprisingly very little rumours concerning Tottenham and transfers in or out at the moment. There are plenty of other rumours to go out there. I'm going to pick some of the juiciest ones from the back pages of the papers over the last 24 hours or so. We talked about Gabriel Barbosa mm. potentially going to West Ham. He's on loan in Brazil at the moment. Signed for Inter Milan. Uh, absolutely tearing up in Brazil. We kind of felt when we spoke about this last week that West Ham might be a little bit pie in the sky. Yeah, Chelsea are reportedly in for the striker now, which feels like a more logical choice, providing yeah. backup for Tammy Abraham. And at the same time, it means Olivier Giroud could potentially leave to Aston Villa, who are interested. Yeah, I just think that it's a tricky one, this, because there's quite a lot of moving parts in it. Mm. I think a guy like Barbosa isn't going to come and sit on the bench every week. You know, and then Chelsea have got to decide whether you play him or or Tammy Abraham, who is scoring a load of goals in the Premier League this season and in the cup competitions. So that's quite an interesting dynamic. As for his credentials, unbelievable player. Uh, you know, I think fifty nine games last season, thirty five goals. Uh, a slight fly in the ointment for me is the fact that Inter Milan, it's he's their player, mm. and when you've been smashing it in like that and you're making all these headlines, will Inter Milan go actually? We're probably a team of a similar ilk of Chelsea in position in Europe as Chelsea. Do we want to sell to a European rival like that? So I, I'm not sure on that. I think, I think will, would he be a good addition to a team in the Premier League? Absolutely. I'm just not sure whether it'd be Chelsea. It seems like he is going to leave into Milan, though. Yeah. Because there, there's too much. It's old, old smoke without fire, mm. Maxim, isn't it? It seems like there's a lot going on and I he is going to be going somewhere. Into Milan are probably spending more money than they want to. Uh, signing Sanchez pretty much semi-permanently mm. and Lukaku set them back a fair amount of money in the summer and I think if they can recoup a bit of money from selling Barbosa that might be good for their coffers to be perfectly honest um, but like you say Chelsea it's either Giroud or Batshuayi who's going in January whether Batshuayi might go on loan to Crystal or Palace oh, well Chelsea I don't think will sell both strikers or let both strikers go um, I think that would be pretty naive of them to only have Tammy Abraham leading the line. They're How much has Giroud to... played, though, this season? Not, not as much as he would have been the, the second string, hasn't he? Giroud's played more than 100 times for France, or nearly 100 times for France, and he can't get anywhere mm. near the Chelsea starting eleven, which just goes to tell you 
uh, how Frank Lampard rates him. Obviously, the style of play is different. Giroud's known as sort of the, a man who can feed off knockdowns. Um, hold the ball but, up well. You hold the ball up well, you know, but... Exactly what Villa needs. Exactly, yeah, what Villa might want. I, I don't rate Wesley at all at Aston Villa, I'm, I'm afraid to say. But, you know, uh, I don't think Chelsea will sell too. So Barbosa will come in. I think that if he does come in, I think that would be that would be decent for Chelsea. Um, whether Lampard will be happy with three strikers or just the two, I don't know. But certainly I think there will be movement out of Stamford Bridge this January. Manchester United are continuing their planned rebuild without Paul Pogba, it would seem. It seems like the midfield is definitely the focus for them this window. Uh, Bruno Fernandes again <laughs> being linked with a move to Manchester United. It feels like that's been going on for about five years. Whether it actually comes off or not, I don't know. The other move that I think is really potentially interesting is James Madison's been a name linked with Old Trafford quite a lot over the last six months or so. Now, supposedly there's been an offer put in for James Madison that involves, I think it's 30 million quid and Jesse Lingard, which is really it's interesting. No near enough. It's not going to happen, Jim. But no. what's interesting, I think, is the idea that Jesse Lingard being moved with a, linked with a move away. <laughs> Jesse Lingard has just signed with Mino Riola, the super which agent. Is very inflammatory from a Manchester United exactly. point Exactly. It's a real both fingers up. You want to get rid of me? Well, do one Manchester United because mm. Manchester United have said they don't want to work with this agent anymore Lingard hasn't performed for a year no goals or assists in 2019 <laughs> well yeah exactly well yeah he's a lot older than people think uh, which I remember stunned Steve a few weeks ago when he found out how old he was yeah he did I was like you're joking I <laughs> yeah, thought no, he was no. about 21 <laughs> everyone thinks Lingard's a young player he looks young but he's not quite the whippersnapper uh, he maybe once was Brendan Rodgers I think is the key to take out of this scenario he's said categorically, these are his words, categorically no one will be leaving this football club in January. So he wants to keep this group of players together. Mm. I think Brendan Rodgers will relish winning something with Leicester this season. And I said it on yesterday's show, you've got to strike while the iron's hot. When you're a club like Leicester, their recruitment's been brilliant, but that's not going to carry on forever. You think of the way that Maguire left, Soonchu's come in, and it's been almost, like I said before, seamless, you know, him coming in. Well, he looks think, a better defender than Maguire, doesn't he? Well, it? that's the thing. Maybe maybe it's just going to Manchester United. Does that make you a better player? Question saying, you know, is it a step up for Madison if he goes to United? At this moment in time, I would argue no, just purely because Leicester are in better form. They're in a better position in the league. They're in a cup semi-final against Aston Villa. They could be mm. in... I think Leicester could finish in the top four this season and win a trophy. And I think success. they could. I think they could do both. And I think... Which would be mega for It would be them. massive. And I think that's exactly what the fans would want as well. I don't think... I mean, it'd be great for them to get in the Champions League, but I think they would rather win a league cup, have a sil- bit of silverware yeah. in the trophy cabinet. So I don't think that this one's on the cards, personally. I don't think Brendan... I think Brendan Rodgers would laugh in your face if you said, we'll take Lingard. But again, I don't know. Rodgers has got a knack of working with young players. He did it before at Chelsea. He's done it throughout his career, working with younger, younger talent. He did it with, um, obviously, Raheem Sterling at Liverpool oh, oh, the yeah. first few years. So whether he thinks he can get something out of Lingard who's obviously not young anymore but you, you know whether he thinks he can get something out of Lingard and maybe sort of his ego goes right well I can do something that maybe Solskjaer and Mourinho couldn't well that remains to be seen I just don't see this one happening whatsoever yeah I think you think Madison out and, and Cash and Lingard coming in that could be spectacularly backfire for, for Rodgers if he did that I think it's just painful. I think I think is there something in it in summer uh, I think there might be mm. I think he might fancy kind of going to Manchester United because let's have it right they're, they're a giant of a football club mm. who have lost their way big time since 2013 on and off the pitch and you know like these cycles that it will come back around at some point they will stumble on the, the, the magic ingredients to make them successful again. And I think, you know, Madison seems like he'd be a decent fit there because I think, you know, he's not going to get in the Man City team. And I think 
you know, would Liverpool go in for Madison? I don't think they would uh, at this point. And, um, you know, Chelsea maybe, but, you know, I could see that actually happening summer. Liverpool have actually made a signing. We should have a signing Claxon or something like that at this point <laughs> because I think it's the first one in the Premier League of the transfer window. They've yeah. signed Joe Hardy, 21 years old, from Brentford. He was at the Manchester City Academy. Now, I'm not expecting anyone to know very much about this because I certainly don't. Is there any intel you can give me on Joe Hardy? Uh, well, he was he's 21. Glad you um, answered. He's, yeah, <laughs> he's 21. And for me, it just it feels like Liverpool are going to send Rian Brewster out on loan. Because he's 19, he would arguably be ahead of him in the pecking order. So, you know, as a 21-year-old coming in, you would you don't really want to come in and start playing in the under-23s. You want to kind of make your way into the first team. Liverpool, like Steve said, there's a benefit that the youngsters train with the first team. I just think that um, maybe he's had enough of playing in Brentford's reserves. He was signed from well, City's that's Academy. that's really weird. He's been playing in Brentford's reserves, not getting anywhere near their first team, really. And so he's been signed for Liverpool. I'd rather play Liverpool's reserves than Brentford's reserves. No disrespect to Brentford, who are trying to build something over there in West London. They've got a new stadium on the way as well. Mm. Um, they've managed to secure themselves as a solid championship club, which is all credit to them. So uh, maybe uh, young Joe Hardy wants to, to move his career forward and what a better place than the European champions. I was speaking to someone who used to watch him play for Manchester City and they said he banged him in for the academy teams and they were a little bit surprised when he went to Brentford. And as you said, He's not really made it into the Brentford first team. He's been playing in their second string. Yeah, It doesn't feel like it's one for the future for Liverpool then, does it? It feels like it's he's there to make the numbers up, essentially. Yeah, and that's why I say I think Rian Brewster's going out on loan somewhere. I think, Swansea. Yeah, Swansea City. Well, maybe. A championship club, possibly. Um, he He'll could, bang him in him as well if he gets regular games. Yeah, he could be he could be going out on loan, which is, is obviously that, that means they're a striker light. And uh, they don't play conventional number nines, do they, Liverpool? Um, Origi no. can play all three positions across the front three. But I think uh, this is a conventional number nine they've signed who maybe can fill the void, for instance, if squad numbers get a little bit light. Brewster would be the next in line, wouldn't he, through the middle for Liverpool um, if Firmino or Origi can't play. So, you know, maybe that position when he goes out on loan is just being filled up by mm. this uh, young lad from Brentford. Right, we'll leave it there, boys. Thank you very much for Cheers. listening to Football Social Daily. Thank you very much, Steve and Niall. If you want to subscribe to this podcast, please do, Michigan. If you want to subscribe to this podcast, please do. It means you'll get the next episode as soon as it's ready. Click the subscribe button in iTunes or the follow button on Spotify or wherever it is you listen to podcasts. There'll be an alternative there. We'll see you next time on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode.